This is the Tao of Christ, and I'm Marshall Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which church historian Evelyn Underhill called the Unit of Life, and which Richard Rohr calls the Universal Christ, and which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. This is the Tao of Christ. Good afternoon, this is Marshall Davis. Today we come to the final chapter of the Gospel of John, which I have been interpreting as a Gospel of Non-Duality. Chapter 21 is actually a postscript, an extra chapter that was added at a later date after the Gospel was written. The verses at the end of chapter 20 are clearly intended as the conclusion of the book. Later, the final editor decided to attach one final resurrection appearance of Jesus to the Gospel. This extra chapter was added because of the death of the Apostle John. John was the leader of the spiritual community in Ephesus, out of which this Gospel came. He was also the last surviving member of the original Twelve Apostles, the final physical link to the historical Jesus. During his later life, he had become the de facto head of the whole church, so his death was a significant event. Furthermore, there was a rumor rumor circulating that Jesus had said that the Apostle John would not die before the kingdom of God came to earth. People were expecting the end of the world soon. Then, John died, and nothing changed. Even the church wondering what went wrong. Was Jesus mistaken? It was a crisis for many Christians. This chapter was added to address this crisis as well as the issue of church leadership after the death of the last of the apostles. Now, what does this have to do with non-duality? Actually, it has a lot to do with it. The leadership of the church determine the teaching of the church. The leadership eventually decided to reject the non-dual teachings and retain what later became known as traditional Christianity. That is why there are so few non-dual teachings in the New Testament outside of the Gospel of John. At the end of the first century, there was a rivalry between the church in Ephesus, where John's spiritual community was located, and the Church of Rome, where Peter was the first bishop. The 21st chapter was added to address this question of leadership. In this chapter, there is a discussion between Jesus and Peter about tending his sheep, which is church talk for being a pastoral leader. Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. Peter responds three times that he does love him. Jesus responds by instructing Peter three times to tend his sheep or feed his sheep, meaning to be the shepherd, the spiritual leader of the church. As every preacher knows who has studied this passage, the key to understanding this is the word that Jesus uses for love, and the word that Peter uses. Even though they are both translated love in English, 
there are actually two different Greek words that these two different men use, and they have very different meanings. Jesus uses the word agape, divine, unconditional love. Jesus asked Peter twice if he loves him with agape love divine, unconditional love. And Peter responds, saying he loves Jesus, but uses the word philia, which means human emotional love. The third time, Jesus questions if Peter even loves him with this philia love. The Gospel of John is calling into question the love of Peter for Jesus, and hence the qualification of Peter and therefore future bishops of Rome, to be the leader of the church. On the other hand, John is pictured as one who loves and is loved with this divine love. Throughout the Gospel of John, John is repeatedly called the beloved disciple. The word beloved is a form of the word agape in the Greek text, divine love. So John here represents agape love. Peter does not even measure up to the standard of human love. In other words, the story was meant to undermine the leadership of Peter and therefore the Church of Rome, the Bishop of Rome. The seemingly innocuous fishing story that starts off the chapter does the same thing, but in a much more subtle way. Chapter 21 begins with seven apostles going on a fishing trip to the Sea of Galilee. The trip was Peter's idea. He's pictured as the leader of the expedition. He said he's going fishing and six of the apostles, half of them, which is meant to show how divided the church was on the issue, half of them decide to follow him. They spent all night fishing, but under Peter's leadership they caught nothing. Peter's leadership failed. He could not even catch fish. How could he possibly lead the church? That's the insinuation here. Furthermore, it is pictured as happening at night, a time of darkness, and darkness in the Gospel of John is always symbolic as well as physical. Only when dawn comes and the risen Christ arrives on the scene and points out where the fish are, do they catch anything? And it says they haul in 153 fish. Now, an exact number, like 153, is very unusual in the Gospels. Numbers are always rounded off. For example, earlier, John does not say that Jesus fed 5,087 people with some loaves and fishes, but rounds it off to 5,000. But here it says the disciples netted exactly 153 fish. Our attention is meant to be called to this number and the meaning of the number. And the number is symbolic. We see the same use of symbolic numbers in the book of Revelation, which is also said to be written by the Apostle John and came out of the same spiritual community at pretty much the same time. In the Revelation of John, the number 666 was symbolic for the name of the beast. Now, in Greek and in Latin, every letter had a numerical equivalent. Caesar Nero, the villain of Revelation, adds up to 666. In this story in the Gospel of John, 
the name Magdalene adds up to 153. Now we've already seen the prominence that Mary Magdalene is given in this gospel. She is the first to see the risen Lord. She was the first to proclaim the message of the risen Lord to the apostles. For that reason, she is often called the apostle to the apostles. Here in the Gospel of John, her name is hidden in this story of Jesus appearing to seven disciples at the Sea of Galilee. John was suggesting that Mary and her successors were the true leaders of the church. This final editor of the Gospel of John was thumbing his nose at the Apostle Peter and the bishops of Rome. He was saying that Peter and his successors may claim to be the leaders of the church, but they are incompetent. They cannot catch a thing. Mary Magdalene, on the other hand, was more of a leader of the church than Peter. We know from the the Nag Hammadi Library, that there was a strong movement in the early church that believed that Mary Magdalene was the rightful leader of the church. There are a lot of books and that collection of ancient texts that confirm that. Books like the Dialogue of the Savior and the Gospel of Philip and the Sophia of Jesus Christ. In fact, there's the Gospel of Mary, meaning Mary Magdalene, that was written from her perspective in the Gospel of Mary and the Gospel of Thomas. And another book called Pista Sophia, meaning the wisdom of faith, we see Peter opposing the leadership of Mary. So these books tell us that there was a struggle going on between men and women in the early church. These Nag Hammadi scrolls that were discovered in the late 1940s, many of these were non-dual in nature. And they revealed to us that there was a strong non-dual tradition in early Christianity that was later suppressed by the church. And these spiritual communities were often led by women in the tradition of Mary Magdalene. That's why Mary Magdalene plays such an important role in so many of these writings. They were the true heirs of the non-dual gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel of John here is affirming that tradition. Of course, historically, women lost the battle for leadership of the church. And in the process, the non-dual gospel lost out to the dualistic gospel, and all of these books that had this non-dual gospel were, were banned, and most of them were destroyed, and some were hidden, and that's why we, we found the Nag Hammadi scrolls. We were fortunate that some survived. And this is why Mary Magdalene's name had to be hidden in a symbolic number here in John's gospel, and never would have made it into the Bible if her leadership had been more clearly affirmed. Only by the grace of God did it sneak past the censors in its present form. In this context, the Gospel of John explores the love of Peter for Jesus, which falls short. Peter did not love Christ the way that Jesus wanted. 
This was confirmed by the threefold profession of Peter that he loved Jesus, but not in the non-dual way of identification as the beloved disciple loved Jesus, but only in a dualistic way. This gospel calls us to a love that transcends dualistic love. Non-dual love is not a relationship, but a union with the beloved. It is a union so strong that one's own identity recedes into the background. That is why John never calls himself by name in this gospel. Instead, he is referred to as the beloved disciple. His individual sense of identity dissolved in the love of Christ. That is non-dual love, where two become one. The other issues in this chapter are death and the second coming. As I have said, the crisis that prompted this extra chapter to be added to the Gospel of John was the death of the Apostle John. There was a belief circulating in the first century church that the last surviving apostle would not die before the kingdom of God came. That was based on an interpretation of Jesus' words spoken in the Olivet Discourse in the Synoptic Gospels, where Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. They developed a very popular belief that this referred to a physical return of Jesus to earth, just like many evangelicals and fundamentalists believe today in a physical second coming of Jesus. Now, if that is what Jesus meant, then Jesus was wrong because that whole generation died and many generations after that, and still there has been no physical second coming of Jesus. That is a real problem for literalists. But that's not what Jesus meant by those words. Jesus meant that his generation would not die before some of those standing there saw the kingdom of God, meaning that they would wake up to the kingdom of God that is within them and all around them. Jesus was talking about a spiritual awakening, not a second coming. That is what it means to see the kingdom of God. That is what it means to enter the kingdom of God. And this can happen before death. That is what Jesus invites us to. He invites us to enter into the unitive life. That is the message of the Gospel of John. And that's it for today. And that's it as far as my explanation of the Gospel of John. I'm going to be rewriting and editing these teachings and I'm going to publish them in book format. My tentative title is The Gospel of Non-Duality, a mystical interpretation of the Gospel of John. I'm also hoping to put other teachings into another book with the tentative title Talks on Christian Non-Duality. That process is going to take some time, so that's what I'm going to be doing for these coming weeks and probably a couple of months or so. So you can picture me sitting in front of my wood stove working on my laptop here in snowy New Hampshire during these winter months. Consequently, I will not be posting as many podcasts or YouTube episodes as I have been. I will post some, but not as often. Anyway, that's my plan to get through 
this second pandemic winter. So for now, grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net. My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ. Christ.